Hi, I'm Margot. Hey, I'm Abby. Thank you so much for joining us on the Anxiety Warriors podcast. We have anxiety and we believe that our anxious feelings make us stronger people. One of our superpowers is being open, loving, and curious with ourselves. Yeah, we're all just doing the best we can one moment at a time, one breath at a time. And we're so glad you're on this journey of life with us. Here's the show. Woohoo! Welcome back, Warriors. We are Yay! so excited for this week's episode. We have uh, two very, very special guests this week a mother and a daughter, like a tag team situation. Mm hmm. This was new for both of us. We yeah. were both a little anxious about it. And, and, um, Kelly and Bailey, that's the mom and daughter we chatted with. We're a little anxious about it too. And so we kind of bonded over that in the beginning. Um, so this was just a, a super great and informative and interesting and warm conversation that, um, I'm really glad we had an opportunity to have. So I'm going to start by telling you all a little bit about Kelly, and then I'll tell you a little bit about Bailey. Kelly Winkler is a certified teacher for K through eighth, a 200 hour registered yoga teacher and a 95 hour registered children's yoga teacher. Her inspiration for becoming certified in yoga came from watching her preteen daughter fall in love with the practice and use it as a tool to deal with her anxiety. As a mom of four, a former educator, and a child life specialist, Kelly became inspired to bring yoga to even more children. She got her children's yoga certification through Kidding Around Yoga and has gone on to also become a teacher trainer for Kidding Around Yoga. She gives professional development for educators to incorporate mindfulness and yoga into their classrooms. She believes the benefits of mindfulness are so powerful. She has even created a podcast for parents and teachers where she shares these tools called Mindful Moments for Families and Schools. She's also currently offering parent coaching to help families have a more calm and connected home. And now a little bit about Kelly's daughter, Bailey. Bailey Winkler is a 17-year-old high school senior. Bailey has learned tools to manage anxiety over the past six years. Her challenges have led her to be a strong advocate for herself and others. Bailey plans to pursue a career in psychology where she can make a difference in the mental health industry. Oh, so this was just such a great chat. So much fun, such warm and inspiring information from both of these two women. And uh, why don't you recap for us a little bit about our chat? Yeah, yeah. So exactly everything you said. It was definitely a fun, um, warm chat. It was really nice to have a mother daughter on uh, sharing both how they both have anxiety and, and they both had uh, very different growing up experiences with anxiety. Kelly starts off by sharing how she, you know, was shy and she, you know, was worried and she didn't like speaking very much. And so for her, you know, school was a huge challenge and she often would, you know, have headaches and belly aches and, and just different ways to not have to go to school. And she just thought this was who she was. Um, but her daughter, who also had anxiety um, from a very young age, learned to speak up and to advocate for herself. And at the age of eight, she was like, mom, something is wrong. We need to get this fixed or we need to yeah. look at this more. Um, and so they both just share their stories of growing up, going to the same school, how the school has evolved over time, where at first the school really didn't talk about mental health at all to now they have programs to support people with a variety of different challenges. And so it was really interesting how 
you know, in some ways their, their beginning journey with anxiety was very different. You know, Kelly shared how she lived most of her life having anxiety and just thinking it was her and she didn't realize it was anxiety uh, mm-hmm. versus Bailey, who at a very young age was like, nope, we got to work on this. Um, and so they share these stories, but then you see how they have both very much influenced and supported each other along the way where Kelly has now learned one about her own anxiety because of caring for her daughter and supporting her daughter, but two has really learned how to speak up and advocate for herself and her daughter because of her daughter's journey. So it's just a really um, beautiful uh story that this mother and daughter share yes it was so great we hope all of you out there enjoy here's the show yay hey to kelly and bailey thank you both so much for joining abby and myself on the anxiety warriors podcast hi thank you so much for having us yay thank you Yeah, we're so excited. Um, I'm going to be honest right now and just say I have a little bit of anxiety right now. (laughs) I don't know what it is. It's kind of just hanging out beneath the surface. And I just think that's like important for me to share. Right. Like this is part of the reason why we're here is to reflect upon our own anxious stories, our own um, experiences. And so I feel a little bit of butterflies in my tummy and um, a little bit of a pounding in my heart a tiny bit. And even though um, you all make me feel safe and my nervous system feels generally soothed. I just think it's, there's nothing wrong with highlighting when we're about to record. It's like, Ooh, those little butterflies mm-hmm. are there. Give yeah. it name. We're, yeah. We're, feel, we're feeling the same energy over here before we got on. We both were like, Oh, nervous. <laughs> <laughs> good. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. <laughs> we're all supporting each other alone. together. Oh gosh, Ab, please, please. We'll save the singing for later. <laughs> Okay. So Kelly and Bailey, the two of you are mother and daughter, and you both have very unique individual anxiety stories, but there were some interesting overlaps in both of your stories. When the three of us chatted a while back about uh, what we were going to talk about on the podcast, um, there was some stuff that really, really jumped out at me. So that's going to kind of be our focus today. Some of that overlap. All right. So you both expressed experiencing anxiety starting from a very young age but you both had very different experiences in both support from your school and your home life. So Kelly, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your anxiety story. Specifically, what was your experience with how your parents and school addressed your anxiety? Yeah, I really don't, I can't really say a time that I felt my anxiety started because I really don't remember having a time where I didn't experience anxiety. (laughs) I just think it was just right from the get-go And, um, unfortunately for many, many years, not, it wasn't until my adult life that I really understood that I had anxiety. Uh, you know, I have wonderful parents. They were always very supportive, but you know, when I was a child, you know, in the late seventies, early, you know, in the eighties, it just wasn't talked about at that time. Nobody really talked about mental health very much or anxiety, really, I never heard the word. When I was a child, I was always just told I was very shy and, um, you know, introverted. And I was, that really was just how I was classified. And my parents tried to support me in a way of just pushing me and encouraging me into doing things, thinking that if they just pushed me to do sports or any kinds of activities, or even with going to school, like I would just kind of 
come out of my shell, as they used mm-hmm. to say. Um, and, you know, so I really never understood. I just felt that that was, that was just who I was. I was just this shy person who couldn't really speak, you know, really very much. I actually oftentimes, I wasn't, I wouldn't say a fully, like I wasn't diagnosed or anything with self-selective mutism, but I spoke very, very little outside of my house. Um, I was put, you know, in elementary school after my uh, first year of school in kindergarten, I was so quiet that they put me into what they called the transitional first grade class, which was really for kids who weren't ready academically to go to first grade, uh, but age-wise were ready to go to first grade and couldn't stay in kindergarten again. Academically, I was reading before I got to kindergarten. So I was ready for first grade academically, but I wasn't speaking. So they put me in this small transitional class. And so that was kind of like the only, I would say, support that my school really ever offered. Um, You know, my parents, again, they just did a lot of trying to encourage me to do things and and push me into things and sign me up, even though I would say I wouldn't want to go. And usually I would end up quitting before the recital if it was dance. Um, you know, I was the kid who was, um, you know, I loved to play piano. I played piano for three years, but I was the kid who was throwing up before the recital and just, you know, Mm. it was really difficult for me. And I was just, you know, always overthinking any kind of social situation. I just, Mm. I kind of was, you know, they say that fight, flight, or freeze. I just froze. I just froze. And I knew what I wanted to say, but I just couldn't get my words out. So um, as I got into the older years, into middle school, I, I did, and even through elementary school, I missed a lot of school. I had a lot of days where I said I was sick. I really wasn't sick. I just, you know, was so nervous. I just couldn't get myself to go. Um, my mom was often taking me to the doctors, checking for strep, checking for all these mm-hmm. things. I would say I have a sore throat, but mm-hmm. it was really just that tightness in my throat was really my anxiety. So yeah, I didn't have a whole lot. I, it wasn't talked about. I just, it wasn't something that anyone ever explained to me. So that's kind of like where it all started. And then my journey in healing, we'll, we'll talk a little bit. We'll get into that. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So, you know, there's, there's so many pieces in this. Um, and the first thing I just want to like highlight is like you said, like your parents were really good parents, right? Like they were attuned to you. They were caring for you, but the lack of awareness, right. Was something that I think many of us in the seventies and the eighties, like that's what happened is, is we had great parents, but the lack of awareness in what we were going through. Um, so we missed out on that type of like support. Um, And then it's just really interesting how you said that you notice out of the fight, flight, freeze, like you would just freeze. And, and I'm wondering, um, when, when that would happen, like, did you notice if any of your friends kind of had the same thing, like they were sick a lot or, um, like just growing up, did you feel like you could relate to your friends or did you feel like kind of like the odd one out or something? Yeah, I felt like the odd one out. I felt a lot. um, There was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have friends. It's not that I didn't have friends. I I definitely did. And my best friend um, from the age of five, we're still friends. Um, 
And so she was also on the quieter side, Mm -hmm. but, um, didn't, didn't struggle like as, as much as I, as I would say, as I did with anxiety. Um, she just was more soft-spoken, but, Mm -hmm. but would speak out and was, you know, um, you know, able to, to do that a little bit more than, than I was, I was able to do it a little bit more when she was by my side, she Mm -hmm. was really supportive, you know, like that was like my sort of my comfort zone. Um, but yeah, I didn't feel like anybody understood me. And unfortunately I was bullied because of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kids didn't understand why I wouldn't speak. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, they called me a hermit and, it was really hard because that just then like reinforced to myself, like, yeah, there's something wrong with me. Right. Right. You know, so. you know I, I, something that's come up so much, I think with, uh, almost everybody, even our younger guests, you know, I think so many people don't know how to deal with people that are experiencing anxiety. And some of it is because they don't know that that person has anxiety, which is kind of like what you've been expressing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of it too, is just like, not just parents, but teachers and older siblings, not everyone just understands. Like you said, people didn't understand why you weren't talking and um, how tricky that might be, right? To just, just generally to navigate uh, coping with anxiety when you, A, don't really know that's what you're experiencing. And then B, are being sent signals that like, uh, there must be something bad that's or that's going on with my mind or body because I'm experiencing this anxiety, right. which is like exactly the opposite of what anxious people need <laughs> to help yep. soothe themselves. Right. Um, yeah. Super interesting. Um, so Kelly, you had mentioned also in our call, which I thought was so interesting that you didn't fully start to realize or even, um, and you just said you didn't know you had anxiety till you got much older and that you definitely didn't start the healing process of any kind or any kind of true coping until you learned about your daughter's anxiety, Bailey. So um, can you tell us a little bit about how you realized that she was experiencing anxiety and then a little bit about what your next steps were for her? Yeah, um, really early on, uh, Bailey was, you know, very, um, you know, a worrier. You know, she would ask a lot of questions and look for reassurance, had trouble separating from me early on, like in the preschool years with going to school was really difficult. You know, in those early first days of school, lots of kids have trouble separating from their parents, but she just never really got over that for a really, really long time. Other kids would adjust to the school year, adjust to the new teacher and she would just still have a lot of struggle every single morning separating from me. Again, really lots of different worries would pop up. She would just constantly ask the same questions over and over. And again, early on, you know, I, she, she's my first child. I didn't really have a background in, in mental health. You know, I was a teacher, but I, I didn't know, I didn't label it right away that she had anxiety. I just, you know, again, because my experience in growing up, like, okay, this is just who she is. She's a worrier, you know, she's, she's, you know, hesitant to, you know, participate. And so, you know, three, four, five, we would kind of deal with that. Going to birthday parties was really, really hard for her. She would feel really overwhelmed. Oftentimes we would end up leaving early, or we would even just say no to going to the birthday parties. Cause sometimes that was just an easier out because it was really anxiety producing for me as her mom to watch her 
struggling, even though, again, I didn't classify it as anxiety yet, but I was like, you know, it was sort of reliving a lot of what I was, what I went Mm. through as a child. So then fast forward until she was in third grade. And then it really started to um, go up another level. And she started really um, being really, really upset and having trouble going to friends' houses. You know, that's sort of the age where, you know, the moms aren't really like, being with them anymore on the play dates Mm -hmm. they're going off and they're being invited places without their parents. And that was hard for her. And there was lots of tears a lot of times and um, she didn't want to go to school, lots of belly aches, lots of headaches. And so as that started to increase, then we were like, okay, something's going on. And that was sort of the first time that we, she actually asked me, she actually came to me and she said, I want to go to the doctor. Like, Mm. I don't like how I feel. And so I did, we took her to the pediatrician and um, they gave us a recommendation of a therapist and she started therapy. So that was her first introduction in therapy um, at the age of eight. Uh, So, yeah. So as the mother, like, first of all, witnessing your child struggle, right? Which is hard, I'm sure, like, to want to help your child, but not being able to help your child, um, seeing some of the similar things, like some shyness and the belly aches and the headaches and not wanting to go to school. And then your daughter at eight saying, hey, (laughs) we need to address this. Like, how did that feel for you as the mom, like to realize like, oh, wait, maybe there is something that can we can do like, yeah, what came up for you? Yeah, it was, you know what, it was really eye opening. And for me, like, I still was struggling, you know, as a mom, I I was reintroduced to all of those things. I was a stay at home mom, and none of my friends had kids yet. I was the first one, none of my siblings had kids. So I was having all that anxiety trying to make mom friends when Mm -hmm. my kids were little. And so that was coming up for me again, a lot. And then here I have my eight-year-old coming to me saying, Hey, I want to get help. Like, I don't like this. I I want to fix this. And so it was like, so eye-opening for me. And it really pushed me outside of my comfort zone because I, I knew I had to advocate for her. And so I had to speak up. I had to use my voice. I didn't use it for myself when I was little, but I had to use it for her. So it was, I had to go to the school and say, like, she's struggling, like we're taking her to a therapist, like, what can you do to support? You know, we ended up getting her a 504 plan and, um, you know, taking those steps so she could have the supports not only at home, but she would have support at school and sort of everybody would be on the same page. So it was really eye-opening for me, like, oh, wow, wait a minute, there's things we can do and we can all work together and we can make it better for her. She doesn't have to do what I did and push through like that. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, let's all just pause and collectively give Bailey so many twinkles <laughs> and sparkling charms. Eight years old and saying, yeah. eight years old, hello, hi, I need a doctor. Something's <laughs> up. I don't like how I feel. Like just the, just the ability for any person at any age. But like Abby just said, eight years old, it's like, whoa, right? That's that's so massive, Bailey. So I want to... Um, chat with you a little bit. You've kind of been like listening to mom talk about you. And I'm sure that maybe, I'm sure maybe you're used to it. I, I, I would imagine my mom's talking about me all the time with me standing two feet away. Usually she's saying really, really positive things. Just kidding, mom. I know you're listening. She always says positive, at least when I'm in earshot. Huh. All right. So 
you know, I know that the two of you both went to the exact same school, the same middle school, but you obviously received different support as we've been hearing from, from you, Kelly. So Bailey, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with anxiety as you knew it uh, as a child, since you so bravely were like, Hey, I'm noticing stuff. I don't feel good. Something needs to be addressed. Um, and either both in your home environment and your school environment. So just uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So like my mom said, like my anxiety was like always there ever since I was really little. And now looking back, I'm like remembering all the things that happened. I'm like, oh, that was anxiety. Like, and when it really spiked, like was when I was eight and I remember the exact time, like I remember it so vividly, like the exact worry and everything. I was like so petrified of like growing up and everything that came with it. And that's what my first intrusive thought was. Mm -hmm. And where me and my mom differ, I was always taught to talk about it when I was anxious. Like I was always so open about it and I couldn't keep it in. Like nothing was bottled up. Like I like, mm -hmm. couldn't keep anything in. To this day, I still am like such an open book. And um the next time I really had a hard time was in middle school and you start to notice like whenever I had a big change like moving schools that's when my anxiety was spiked and going to the same school as my mom years apart it was very different because my mom as she said like the school didn't really like acknowledge mental health or it wasn't really talked about but when I was there it was talked about a lot more and the counselor's office was always open to me and I was in there a lot. I was in there more than I was in class <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and why, why were you in there? Like not, not in that sense, but like, did you like the people there? Was it more quiet? Did you feel heard? Did you feel seen? Like, what was the reason that you chose to go there and that felt good versus being in class? I got so used to the, this counselor and she, I really felt like she, she was the only one that heard me because yeah. she listened to me. Like if I said, I didn't want to go to class, then this probably wasn't the right thing to do. She just didn't let me, like, she would let me just sit in there all day. Yeah. And now looking back, I'm like that. She shouldn't have let me do that. But like, I was like a 12 year old. I was like, Oh yeah. Like I don't have to go <laughs> sit in class and be anxious. Like I can just mm -hmm. sit in here and talk about what's bothering me all day. So that's why I was in there the majority of the school day. Yeah. And she sounds amazing. Like, you know, um, I think it's really hard for adults in schools to figure out like, Oh, is this kid just trying to, you know, get out of class and, and, and avoid class, or is there something actually going on? Um, and, and to know that you had that person that was willing to see you and hear you and, and realize that you not wanting to be in class came from something deeper, right. Is so important and powerful. And, you know, Margot and I talk a lot about the power of relationships. And so it sounds like this counselor really helped you in, in navigating, having anxiety, at least in school. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And the school had so many more options available. So, you know, also the counselor then 
once we barely started struggling going to class right from the get-go, right from September, you know, she was right on it and she called me and then we got her right back in therapy again that, because she, she wasn't in therapy continuously from when she was eight, she went for a little while and then she was doing great. So we, we stopped. And so then this was her then reintroducing back um, into therapy. And so she recommended um, a therapist who Bailey still sees now. Um, and she's been a really integral part for, mm. for Bailey's, uh, you know, progress. But they also had a, they had a program for kids who were struggling to stay in class. And this program was called We Rise. And, you know, it was an option for kids who were struggling. They could go to this program two hours a day and get their core content subject areas in school. And then Bailey was able to be home and she would do home instruction for her other subject areas until she was able to get a little bit further in therapy and get a little bit more coping skills where she was able to then slowly integrate back into the, to the school day. So it was really incredible. The, the whole system that they had set up and the support, because when I went to school there and I wasn't showing up to school and I was, my mom was taking me for chest x-rays because I was having chest pains and whatever. And when my mom called the school you know, I don't know, know that she called the school. She didn't tell me, but I know she did because the only support they offered me was showing up to one of my classes with a bright pink slip that everybody knew that, that you were going to the counselor. And so then I had to walk to the front of the class and take this pink slip and walk into the counselor's office. And the only thing I remember is her asking me like, well, you know, do you not like the boys like in school? Why don't you want to come to school? And like, are the boys bothering you or something like that? Like, you know, this was a long time ago. So I'm sure yeah. there was of the conversation, but that's like the one thing that yep. stands out in my mind, you know? And of course I didn't want to talk to her. I couldn't talk to people that I didn't know anyway. Yeah. And then she's asking me this weird question and, you know, and then, and then I went home that day and I told my mom, I never wanted to talk to her again. And that was it. Everybody just dropped it mm. and never came up again. So wow. it's amazing now the resources that they have at the yeah. school. And I'm so grateful that they have uh, grown and, mm-hmm. and realized that things needed to change. Yeah. What an intense difference yeah. <laughs> you both right? just expressed. <laughs> I mean, And how incredibly encouraging it is to hear, right? That even though, yes, a lot of years had passed between when Kelly, you were in the same middle school and then to when Bailey was in the middle school, these innovative strategies, right? That, that the school had come up with for trying to help students with their mental health, right? Like, I just think it's, it's encouraging. That was the word that came to my mind. It's just like, well, that's us many steps in the right direction. But then you brought me right back down with that story about like, is it the boys? Oh my God. Like the fury on my face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that it's, yeah. But I also, what it, what keeps coming to the forefront of my mind is that, and what I was having flashes of myself as a kid, it's like, how many times did I try to get out of gym or, you know, band or like other things I didn't want to go to. And it was related to us not feeling good. Cause that was the way you got out of it. Right. Yeah. And I would, you would make up this physical pain. Even mm-hmm. I remember now as a kid, I was making up some physical pain that I was having because really it was my insides that were hurting mm-hmm. and needed, needed support and help. 
it was my, my mind, my heart, but I knew that that wasn't going to get me into the nurse's office or get me out of PE class and suck it up. So go to gym. Right. Suck it up. Yeah. Change. I clearly, I clearly remember being in the nurse's office with the thermometer in my mouth, praying for a fever. You know, yeah. like praying that thermometer, willing it. Yeah, like please be, have have a fever, have a fever. <laughs> yeah, my goodness. So Bailey, I would love to hear a little bit about some of the um, support strategies that you received. Like, obviously, I'm learning about this this innovative thing that the school had offered you to do some learning at home and some integration with, you know, when your normal class, um, but maybe some stuff that the counselor, when she was super loving and helpful um, in the school setting, how was she supporting you or some of the strategies she offered or that the school offered? Um, so like my mom said, the We Rise program, that was a huge help to me because I was able to be in a smaller classroom with one teacher and two other kids that were in similar situations as me and understood what I was going through. And I was able to be myself in there and be open if I was feeling anxious. And that was really a huge deal for me. And, um, the other thing that I would say was uh, a big help too, outside of the school counselor with my actual therapist that I still see to this day. um, We started this um, exposure and response and it's a type of therapy that they use for um, anxiety and I have OCD. So uh, that's where it kind of came in to play. And it's like, so exposure response prevention is basically uh, you have your your trigger, right? And with OCD, right, that's your obsession. Um, but even within anxiety, just generalized anxiety or any kind of anxiety, you have a trigger to something that's making you feel anxious. And usually you want to avoid that. And, and the more we avoid things that makes us anxious, we know then our anxiety actually grows. And the, the thing that wasn't maybe as big a deal was just making us a little anxious. If we keep avoiding, keep avoiding before we know it, it's making us tremendously anxious because we've Mm. avoided it for all this time. So the concept, um, you know, and again, I'm not a a mental health professional, but this is just my experience with Bailey um, is that you expose yourself to what is your trigger. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of have to help yourself to sit with the discomfort yeah. Um, and use tools like breathing and to try to keep your body calm and keep your nervous system low. And you kind of rate yourself as you go and you expose yourself to your trigger. And then maybe you start out at a nine or 10, you're feeling like super, super anxious. And then you keep working on that and you keep tracking your anxiety. And the more you expose yourself to it, then the anxiety levels come down. And when you get it down to like a one or two, then you like take it up a notch. So maybe you start out by looking at a picture of something that makes you anxious, say you're petrified of snakes, right? So you would start out as looking at a picture and keeping yourself calm while looking at the picture. Then you get your anxiety to stay at a one or two, and then you watch a video and Mm -hmm. then you do the same thing. And then maybe you go to the zoo and you look at a snake from behind glass, you know, and then you do the same thing and, and you keep exposing yourself and you keep going up that ladder. Uh, and getting your body to try to stay calm and sort of, sort of desensitize yourself to your trigger. So, yeah. um, And then you were going to talk about naming. Oh yeah. So 
one of the other strategies I, I used to um, help myself was naming my OCD. And I came up with the, this persona and I named, I named my OCD Bob <laughs> with my therapist. And I created a picture of what mm-hmm. he looked like and everything. So anytime when he, when I, I, I had an OCD intrusive thought, um, I would just be like, it's just Bob. It's just Bob making up silly things in my head like it's not anything to worry about because he's just telling me lies like so that was a really big thing for me too because it kind of made it made me laugh at it It made it seem like it was just oh like that's just silly like those thoughts don't mean anything love that I know Marco go on yeah (laughs) I know I just and I told this to Bailey when and first of all the fact that I mean y'all know Bertha I know all the warriors that have been listening for a while they know Bertha's my anxiety and um I just love this technique I love this tool Mm -hmm. and I love that you know this is something that I thought I came up with on my own because I did (laughs) it wasn't taught to me but it's pretty dope that therapy is that therapists out there are using it and, mm-hmm. and teaching it to people because it does, it does have, um, it takes away some of the anxiety's power yeah. a little bit, right? You're kind of yeah. humanizing the, this emotion and you're rehumanizing yourself yeah. while doing that. And I just love the name, Bob. I mean, maybe it's just the B it's the B for Bertha, the B for Bob. I, I think it's a great name. It, <laughs> and the fact that it makes you laugh too, like that was part of what works that had helped support me. Mm-hmm. The name Bertha made me chuckle. And I have this vision of her in my mind. It's like, it's like an alter ego of me. Right. But, um, we're here together. She lives with me. Bob's with you. He's telling you lies. He's, and it's just such a fun and, um, interactive way. I think for anyone of any age to, uh, to reframe their relationship to these yeah. intrusive thoughts or these big feelings like anxiety. So, yeah, it was really great the way to her therapist, they worked on it, you know, and she drew this Bailey's artistic. So she likes to draw anyway, but she drew this picture of him and he was kind of like a little bit on the bigger side and, and everything. And um, they would talk about her therapist would say like when, when she's paying attention to her intrusive thoughts or like, don't feed Bob. Like we're not going to feed Bob right now, you know? And then at the, after a long period of time, she was like, we need to redraw Bob because he's going to be like super thin and like, because you haven't been feeding him, you know? So they would talk about it in that way, which was like a really fun way. You know, she was 12, 13, like it was really great visual for her to think of it that way. And, and that it can change. Like, I love that piece too. Um, I don't have a Bertha or a Bob. I just kind of name my emotions what they are. So I'm like, oh, this is anxiety. Just like my robe's name is robe, right? Like <laughs> very literal. <laughs> I'm very like, oh, here's loneliness, right? And 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 when I when I name those things, they allow me to have more compassion. And then I also do the the visual as well. But but I've never done the evolution of the visual, right? And so mm-hmm. I love that that over time. Cause right. Anxiety changes, Bob changes, Bertha changes, right? Sometimes they're wearing different outfits. Like sometimes they're heavier and lighter, but I love that that's included in it because right. The less you feed Bob, Bob's going to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So cool. All right. So tell us a little bit, and I'll just throw this to you first, Kelly. Um, I know that you came to yoga many, many years ago and it's a big part of your work life now and, and your personal life. Um, but I know that you had told me that, um, 
a lot of your practice had come from watching how Bailey had used the practice and love the practice from a young age um, and use it as a tool for anxiety. And in the beginning, I kind of had said, like, you had told me that you started to heal when you started using yoga. And so I know that's one of your coping strategies. Um, just tell us and all the warriors out there a little bit about uh, some of your favorite go-to practices or they don't have to be yoga related, but I know that's one of them. So yes, yeah, I do um, really enjoy getting on my mat and my meditation practice and my yoga practice, but my tried and true uh, coping skills really came from watching Bailey, especially with learning about the exposure response prevention and, um, and the, the way that she was able to separate herself from her Bob. And that really resonated with me so much because I said already, like, I just thought that this is who I am. Right. I was just so wrapped up in in these feelings and this is just who I am. So I, I kind of all of a sudden was like, oh, wait, this is anxiety I have. It can be separate from me. It doesn't make up my whole being. So that was really empowering. And then I was able to take my meditation practice and really start to tune in to my body and notice mm when I was starting to feel anxious because I used to suffer from migraines uh, at least weekly. And I have been able to control those immensely now because I now notice the first cues from my body. I notice the tension in my shoulders. I notice my clenched jaw and I'm able like, oh, I'm starting to feel anxious now. And I'm able to start using my breath work to say like, okay, let's try and calm down a little bit. And then I'm able to start noticing the thoughts that are popping up in my mm -hmm. head that, that are maybe causing me to feel anxious. And then it's like, it's just such a process because then yeah. I'm able to say, okay, this is a thought I'm having. Is it helpful for me? Is, is this true? And then I can kind of reframe things. So mm -hmm. say I have an opportunity to do something like this you know, the old me prior to my coping skills would have been like, no way that's going to make you feel super uncomfortable. You're going to have to talk in front of people. People are going to listen to what you're saying. Like, what if you say the wrong thing? What if you sound silly? Uh, you know, don't do it, you know, and I would have totally listened, yeah, you know, yeah. but now I might get an, an email that says like, Hey, do you want to talk on this podcast? And I might feel those butterflies in my stomach. I might be like, oh gosh, like, okay, this is a big thing. This is a big deal. But then I can kind of like do my breath work, like mm -hmm. take a few deep breaths, really like start to like calm myself down and then think about like, okay, like, will I sound stupid? No, like, okay. Like, and even if I say something silly, like that's okay too. Like, and then kind of like reframe it, you know, yeah. and, and able, be able to, expose myself to my trigger talking in front of people. And then I found out the more that I did that, the less anxious I got every time. So it's just been like, Bailey's just been such an inspiration for all of that for me. It's mm. completely changed my life. I never could imagine I would be doing the work I'm doing now, getting up and speaking in front of people and doing teacher trainings and all of these things. Um, I, you know, I would have never imagined it. Yeah. So. Yeah. There, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a thread throughout that I haven't said yet, but 
but just the like the the difference where like you growing up like you had like selective mutism you know like you weren't speaking that much and Bailey growing up was like no I'm speaking up like that's what I'm doing right and how Bailey speaking up and advocating for herself at eight years old led you on a journey where like now you have podcasts, like you're a speaker, you lead trainings, right? And how that journey has, has started from not speaking much, being seen as shy or whatever it is to like speaking up. Like, I just, I just hear this thread. I just think it's such a beautiful story, a mother daughter story, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in that too, um, you know, it, this is less of a question and more of just like a, an observation when we had spoken, a while back. And, and I was learning a little bit more about your, um, anxiety stories and your relationship with anxiety. You both mentioned needing very different things when you notice your anxiety spiking and just going back and forth to like the things that we have in common with our parental units and the things that are complete opposites. So, um, Bailey, tell us a little bit about what it is that you you seek when you notice your anxiety spike. So whenever I'm really anxious, I need to get out of the house. I need to keep busy. I need to do something like my hands need to be moving. I'm like either like maybe playing the piano or drawing or I love to go on drives for some reason. I like whenever I'm like out of the house, just even just if if it's just driving, listening to music, it needs to be something like that. And that always calms my anxiety where my mom, on the other hand, when she's anxious, she rather just stay home and doesn't want to do anything. So we're very opposite when it comes to that. Yep. Give me a blanket and a good book. (laughs) I'm good. I could just stay there all day. (laughs) I love that too, because I just feel like it's just another reminder that we all need different things, Yep. <laughs> right? We all have anxiety, but we all need different things. And those things are going to change too. I mean, maybe you'd surprise yourself one day, Kelly, you're just like, you know what? I wouldn't mind taking a drive and let's see how that helps. Or maybe it doesn't. And I'm like, nope, drive right back home. Get under my blanket. <laughs> Such a great reminder. Um, so how would you both, let's start with you, Bailey. How would you describe your relationship to your anxiety now? I would say that um, it still pops up day to day, but like now I have those coping skills to help me like move past it and like it's still there, but like I I know how to work with it now and know how to handle it. Yeah. And what about you, Kelly? So I would say, you know, many years ago, my anxiety was, was the boss. It told me what to do and what not to do. And now I think of it more as of an acquaintance. Like it's one of those things that, you know, you have an acquaintance and sometimes you, you run into that person more often than, than you don't. And then there's other times where you just don't see that person for a little while. And it, it doesn't really monopolize your time, but then you might be in the grocery store and you might be behind that person in line and guess what they're having a conversation and you're in it with them and you know and so that you're you're more engaged with it um but then able to step away from it and so that's really how i see it now like it's there you know it's one of those things that just comes and i recognize it but i don't don't give it the power to you know make choices for me or or consume me I love that analogy. 
that's an acquaintance. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I always typically go with friend, but yeah, it, it is more like an acquaintance really. Cause it's like, sometimes they're, she's yeah. a friend, but other times, you know, you kind of just want to like elbow her a little bit, <laughs> keep your distance. <laughs> sometimes you can engage. Duck into another aisle at the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you're like, Literally. I'm going to pretend you're not there. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hide behind the magazine rack quick. <laughs> Okay. Um, so what about some advice you would give your younger self? Let's start with you, Bailey. So I would say that all the challenges that you're going to face are going to make you the strong person you are in the future. And like, yes, it was, I had a really hard time with my anxiety, but I am grateful for every experience it took me to because I'm, I'm now such a strong person because of it. And it's made me very mature and I'm able to help other people now from it. So I would say, be grateful for your struggles. Wow. Oh, another full body chill. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was beautiful. And what about you, Kelly? Some advice for younger Kelly? Yeah, I always, it's hard for me. Not when I think about this question, because I've been asked it before, Um, and it's hard for me not to get emotional thinking about this, but, you know, first I would give her a hug and my biggest piece of advice is just to tell her that you're not broken and, um, you know, you are, you are going to be able to use your voice to, to, um, shed light and help people not and help other help children not feel the way that you felt. Yeah. So Mm, beautiful. I'm just going to live in my chills right now. Yeah, I know. I'm like, ah! <laughs> Especially about the hug. Yeah. I don't know that, that made, that hit me in my heart too. Beautiful. So important. This is these conversations are so needed. Um, yeah. So final question before we get into some lightning round, lightning round. So excited. Lightning round. <laughs> See, I told you we're singing. <laughs> That's right. See the lightning flash. <laughs> okay. What does being an anxiety warrior mean to you? Let's start with you, Bailey. So to me, I would say it means facing my triggers and not letting my anxiety stop me from enjoying my life and just having fun. Yeah. Having fun. Love it. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Kelly, how about you? I would say to me, it's sort of twofold. One is that um, similar to what Bailey said is recognizing my anxiety and not letting it control me, not letting it dictate what I do and don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big piece. And then the, the other big piece for me is, uh, is making, you know, getting out there and talking about it and educating people about anxiety and mental health and normalizing it yeah. for, mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, and, and just making it part of the conversation, yeah. making it part of the conversation. Yes. <laughs> so many sparkles. Yeah. <laughs> so many. Amazing. All right. Are we ready for a lightning round? Lightning round. <laughs> Let's all take a centering breath. Mm-hmm. Quick somatic hold, right? We're, we're all safe here. <laughs> um, I know Abby likes when I go first. I do. I don't know. I mean, I'm, you're going to do it. I mean, are you going to ask me to do it? 
I'm now I am. You gave Damn, it to I me. shouldn't have said anything. Oh, <laughs> I should have just thrown it to you. Okay. Okay. Question number one. And remember, you can take a moment to think about yeah. your answer before responding. You don't have to be like, oh my God, I have to think of it within two seconds. Otherwise it doesn't count. If you need right. a second, take your second. You're fine. Okay. You can only wear one accessory forever. What accessory are you wearing? Kelly, you're up first. Ooh. Earrings. Okay. How about you, Bailey? Oh, my answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we found the common ground. <laughs> Earrings. Okay. Earrings. Love it. Okay. okay Abby. All right. Um, if you could sing one song perfectly, like just completely perfectly, but every other song, there's always something, a pitch or a tone or whatever. What would the song be that you could sing perfectly? You want to go anything perfectly? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say anything because I can sing for the life of me. <laughs> so any song that I could nail would be amazing. <laughs> Which, which one? Give us, give us you one have to have song. a favorite song or something. Oh gosh. Oh, um, hmm. what Abby really wants you to do is just start singing. <laughs> That's really what she wants everybody to do. Not you don't want to hear her sing. <gasps> oh. <laughs> okay. Um, you want to go first? Cause you probably okay. have one. Yeah. Um, I would say part of your world from the little mermaid. Yes! I can play it on the piano and I love it. So. One of my best songs of all time. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, Abby good. is freaking out right now. Yes, I am. I, it's taking everything in me to not sing with you right now. <laughs> do it. Let's do it. Okay. She'll sing it perfectly and I'll do the off key because that's where I feel more comfortable. Three, two, one, go. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, I love it. You know what's so funny is that I'm pretty sure Raina sang that song too. Yes. Right, Abby? <laughs> Maybe this is like an anxiety warrior theme song. Like everyone just loves part of your world. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Okay, here comes a question. You are a fruit. What kind of fruit are you? And then make the sound that that fruit makes. That's what I was going to do. Oh, I love it. A fruit. Kelly, you're up first. All right. I'm going with hmm, a fruit. I'm going to say a strawberry. And uh, the sound that a strawberry would make. Maybe it's like squishing or you're yeah. using fruit salad. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. <laughs> Love it. Okay, <laughs> Bailey, you are a fruit. What kind of fruit? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm going to say a pineapple. Mm -hmm. um, That's my favorite. Um, 
Okay, I'm going to make it easier. Imagine you're taking the pineapple and you're slamming it into the ground. The full pineapple. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Love it. Okay, last question from Abby. Okay. I mean, there's there's so many different. All right, I'm going to do this. This is super random. Um, if we were all in a zombie apocalypse, what role would you play? Would you be the zombie slayer? Would you be the strategist, the caretaker, getting the food? What would be your role? All right. I know what you're going to say, already. <laughs> I'm going to say the caretaker because that's just, that's been my role for a lifetime. <laughs> A mom of four. Yeah, that makes sense. Mom of four and middle sibling. So, you know, I also Mm -hmm. do that with my siblings. So, yeah, I would say caretaker. I would say the same thing. That's why I say that. Can I, I would be dead person. (laughs) I probably wouldn't make it more than 24 hours. I would, I'd be like, Marco, get on the kayak with me. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Abby knows no kayaks, no, no roughing it. No tumbling. Nope. 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 Oh my gosh. I love it. (laughs) Too funny. I guess if I, well, what, what about you, Abby? What would you do? I mean, what would I want to do and what would I most likely do? I mean, I'd love to be the slayer. Yeah, same. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, And gross and disgusting. I mean, also, you know, but I feel like strategist feels good. Yeah. Right? Like to strategize where to go. Like my overthinking brain would think Mm -hmm. of all the different things. So that's where I feel like I'd be at home at. Okay. I, I, I would agree with that assessment of yourself. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. And then caretaker, right? That's like third on the list. Yeah. Right. I feel like I would be, you know, I'm not, well, that sounds, no, no. I just want to eat the food. Yeah. I don't want to get the food. Right. (laughs) Okay. We're getting way off topic. So here at Anxiety Warriors, we have a great segment we like to end with called win of the week. So it could be big, it could be small, it could be the littlest of minutia, could be monumental and life altering, any kind of win. What is your win of the week? Go first. You can go. <laughs> All right. So my win of the week is that I was offered a new opportunity at work to get a position with a title, and I'm super excited because I was so hesitant um, and I wasn't sure, but I recognized my anxiety and I put it aside and I accepted. So I'm really, really excited for for new new opportunities. Yay! Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Congrats. With a t- who doesn't love a good title? Yeah. yeah a title. <laughs> love it. Congrats. That's a big win. And Bailey, do you have a win this week? My win of the week would be getting the news that we're having um, a musical in the fall. Oh, nice. Yay. After this whole COVID thing, you know. Oh, that's so exciting. Yay. All right. Well, thank you both so much for being guests on the podcast. We had such a blast with both of you. Mm-hmm. And um, we know that all the warriors out there are going to deeply resonate with so much of what you both were so willing and open to share. And we are so, so grateful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you for creating this space for people to come on and talk about their stories. I think it's so needed and so important. So I, I just, I really appreciate you guys. Yes. Thank you so much. Yay.
Yay. All right. Well, we hope everyone out there will love and enjoy your stories. Thank you guys. See yeah, you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh my gosh. It was so great to re-listen to that awesome conversation between Kelly and Bailey. I just yeah. love their dynamic mm-hmm. about there's something about the way that they, um, would look at each other. <laughs> I know that this, we, we all saw each other over zoom, <laughs> but, uh, they, they just had a very sweet, loving, um, compassionate relationship with one another that mm-hmm. uh, was a real, a real joy to, to re-listen to. What were some yeah. of your takeaways? Yeah. Well, you know, one of, one of the takeaways for me was um, when they were sharing their strategies, right? And they have different strategies they use when anxiety is rearing its it's awesome <laughs> self, <laughs> when anxiety is saying it needs attention. Um, and I could very much relate to both of what they were sharing. Um, But one of the things that Kelly said that we haven't actually really talked about that much um, with guests or on the pod is when anxiety would arise and anxiety would have all these intrusive thoughts or, you know, um, telling Kelly how things would be, Kelly would pause and question, is it true? Yeah. And that pause is so powerful because when you actually pay attention to your thoughts and then you start to like really notice what they're saying and you start to ask if it's true, you can then really like decide like, how do I want to move forward from this rather than just unconsciously believing all your thoughts are true and living by what your anxiety is telling you to do. So I really, I appreciate that moment. Me too. No, I totally did too. It, it is strange that that hasn't come up even because that's something that you and I t- have talked about many times before. So I'm really glad that, that she brought that to the forefront in this conversation. Yeah. Um, and that'll be a good reflection for you warriors out there too, right? Just like, Hey, when I'm thinking about those thoughts that are popping in out of nowhere, is there anything factual behind those thoughts? So I love yeah. that. Um, I really, uh, resonated with part of Bailey's story when she was talking about some of the stuff she learned in therapy, like going mm-hmm. over some of the coping strategies also. And she talked about exposure therapy. And that's one of those things that always, that even just thinking about it made me anxious. Right. And I was kind mm-hmm. of checking in and clocking my own emotions when her and, um, and her mom and when her and Kelly were talking about that, it's like, okay, the idea of thinking of something that really scares me, really gives me anxiety and then slowly exposing myself to that thing, yeah. right? And then noticing on that scale from one to 10, well, where was I on the scale? Um, but it's also, I would imagine a really empowering and powerful tool because yeah. you are slowly growing this muscle, right? Yeah. It's not just like, okay, you know, you're scared of water. So we're literally gonna throw you into the ocean and best of luck, yeah. it's, it's a slow exposure. And so- uh, the idea gave me less anxiety the more that they talked about it mm. because it made me think like, okay, of all the things that, you know, she, Kelly mentioned snakes, but to me, my head went straight to spiders. Cause that was one of the reasons why I, my mom took me to therapy when I was little, cause I found that spider in my room and then I wouldn't sleep in there for like a month. Um, and I was just like, I wonder what would have happened if I were slowly exposed to it. And I, over the years, I've kind of given myself that I can mm-hmm. be in the room with a spider and even scoop one up with a cup and bring it outside. And I'm generally okay. Like I feel a little buzzy inside, but I'm generally okay. Right. Yeah. yeah it only took like, you know, 40 years, but that's fine. <laughs> but I really resonated with that part. Just like, okay, I can slowly, we can slowly step outside of those kind of comfort zones yes. that we always talk about. And, um, 
and move through stuff. Right. And it's a step-by-step process. Like I liked the, you know, the example of the snake. Like if you are afraid of snakes, you're not going to go to holding one. Right. Like that is way too much. That is overwhelming to the nervous system. That is, you know, but it's like, okay, first we look at a picture and we start to feel like, you know, less anxious looking at the picture. Right. Can I get to like a one, two, three, and then you move to a video. And I was just like, I mean, I feel like that is such an important takeaway just in life. Right. Is like, we might have big goals and visions and the big goal might be like, to feel comfortable around a snake. Right. But to get there, you know, or it could be like, you know, public speaking or whatever it is, you have to take the first step, like just diving into the end of the pool when you don't know how to swim is not the way that you're going to learn how to swim. (laughs) You got to first put a toe in. Right. And so I, I just love that it's a step by step approach because I feel like that just applies to so much of life. And that Kelly learned so much from it yeah. too, right? That she was able to heal so much about her own childhood trauma with anxiety and, and that stayed with her through adulthood. And when she noticed it in her daughter and her daughter was getting these amazing coping strategies that she was able to utilize them in her own life. Like she said, you know, like now she's hosting a podcast and she's yeah. leading teacher trainings. And these are things I'm sure she, you know, as her young, super young self that would have selective mutism mm-hmm. would have never imagined she'd be able to see herself doing. And it's because of so many of these amazing strategies that the both of them seem to have gotten right. a lot out of. Right. Right. Yeah. And I just love too, like the differences in, in how they, in their needs surrounding yes. anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I mean, that's it. It's, it's all a personal journey, but it's also a shared journey. Like that's right. We find our own tools, we find our own strategies, but we're also in a community of other anxiety warriors that have very similar experiences to us with feeling what's wrong with me, the feeling there's something not right, you know? Um, So yeah, it was really nice. It was really nice to connect with both of them and hear both of their stories. Yes. And Kelly is doing such amazing work with her podcast called mindful moments for families and schools. Um, all of you warriors out there, especially you yoga warriors, or, or if you have kids that are experiencing anxiety, she has some amazing guests on her podcast. She does, um, episodes on her own and then also does guest interviews like we do. Mm-hmm. And she may have even had both of us on at some point, not Maybe. together separately, but <laughs> you know, yeah, we, and we both talked to Kelly at length on her podcast and, uh, she, it's just a wonderful speaker and yes. made me feel really safe and soothed when I was on her mm-hmm. podcast. And, um, and we were, I'm just so glad she was able to, um, join us here on the pod yeah. and that she, and her 17 year old daughter, how incredibly brave Bailey was to, as you said, and as they told us as an eight year old say, I don't like feeling like this. Yeah. I need help. Right. And then continue to advocate for right. your needs as right. you grow rather than like, that we want. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No. Cause you're like totally, it's like rather than settling. Right. right. She was like, there has to be a different way at eight years old. <laughs> Mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Mind blown by that. Yeah. So you can check out Kelly on her Instagram page at mindful moments for families. And, uh, she has a lot of information about where you can find her, um, her website and all of that jazz. So warriors, we are so grateful, like always, that you are here with us, that you've tuned into this episode. We hope you enjoyed. If you would like to connect with us in any way, find us on Instagram. We are at Anxiety Warriors Podcast. 
shoot us an email over at anxiety warriors podcast at gmail.com. Let us know your wins of the week. What's going on with you? Are there any topics mm-hmm. you want to hear us talk about? If you think you'd be an awesome fit as a guest on our podcast, we'd love to hear that too. Please reach out warriors. We love hearing from you. Yes. And as always, we're going to keep asking till forever. Mm-hmm. Please take a second. If you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, take five minutes, take however long you feel comfortable to jump on Apple podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. They mean the world to us, but they also mean that we can continue to grow our community of anxiety warriors, which is only going to hopefully benefit us all because yes. the bigger we get, the more warriors join our fam, um, the more community we're able to build and the more, um, we continue to bust through the walls of the BS stigma that is surrounding mental health and mental health awareness. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, love you so much. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much for going on this journey with us. We are so, so grateful you all are here till next time, warriors.